Hi, this is Dave B. Mitchell, and you're listening to Duly Noted, you commie maggot! Hello, and welcome to the Duly Noted Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Dooley, and for the next hour, I'll be turning pro into peer, bringing you all the VO tips and tricks from world-class voice artists, agents, and directors. Every other week, you'll be treated to the stories behind the voices that you hear in animation, commercials, movies, and more. And now, on with the show. Hi, everybody, and thank you again for listening to the Duly Noted Podcast. I'm super excited for this week's episode featuring the one and only Dave B. Mitchell. Uh, You've heard him in all sorts of things, including Spider-Man, the most recent Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4. He's been in cartoons. He's been in video games. He's been all over the place, and he has a love for the craft, for the art, for the, uh, the knowledge of what it takes to be a voice actor. And I'm sure you're going to get that from this conversation. But I did want to say kind of an announcement, a little smaller of an announcement, but um, Duly Noted is quickly coming to the end of our first season. Uh, We have several other episodes scheduled in the near future, but we will be taking some time off uh, to celebrate the holidays. And of course, I work, uh, my work schedule gets pretty hectic. But in the meantime... Uh, What I need you to do, uh, if you have gotten anything out of this podcast, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, if it's inspired you or you've learned something or you hate it (laughs) or whatever, uh, I need you to send all of those um, sentiments to me through an email, dooley.noted at gmail.com. That's D-E-U-L-L-E-Y dot noted at gmail.com. And um, help me make this podcast better. Uh, Help me develop over this uh, this time off as I continue to schedule new interviews and talk to new people and all of those things. I would love to hear your suggestions for guests in the show, things that you'd like me to change, things that you love about the show, things that you hate about the show um, altogether. Honestly, any sort of uh, news or information or just uh, conversation is much appreciated. That being said, thank you again for listening, and please welcome my friend, Dave B. Mitchell. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, man. I am living the dream. I'm highly caffeinated. <laughs> Which is always a plus, yeah. Uh, yes, I agree. Well, I am. if I could be sponsored by anything, I think uh, coffee would probably be uh, my life's blood at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's 12.30 a.m. over here, and... Uh, yeah, where are you? Actually, I didn't even I didn't mention that yesterday. So yeah, I live uh, near Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know, uh, across the way. But yeah, it's it's not at all a problem by any means. I, I actually was fortunate enough. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Kiff, that uh, messaged me today and was like, "Hey, I can do an episode today." And I was like, "Wow, I'm living the dream." And it sounds like you said that you had uh, another podcast that you did record or you're recording yeah, after I, this or yeah, something. Yeah, no, I just finished it up about an hour ago so nice yeah i didn't realize that was such a uh, you know that you were all over the place on that i have like listened to a couple of your interviews already and everything obviously just to get like a feel for things that people generally ask you anyway you know i try not to to beat the same questions into the ground or anything like that but uh how often do you find yourself doing uh things like this um actually i mean that it just kind of depends on you know, when things come out, when things get released, I, I did a bunch after Spider-Man came out last year. And then, uh, and then because I had talked to the, the guys with nerds from friends, uh, with, uh, nerds with friends, I just did them earlier. We had oh, talked okay. a few months ago about me doing it again, but I was like, okay, well, let me, you know, wait until I have a few things I can talk about. Cause I've got stuff I'm sitting on that I can't actually say anything about yet, but I'd love to. So let's yeah. do it when, you know, when I'm actually able to talk about this stuff. And then uh, because most of it comes through Twitter and social media, I'm kind of like trying to keep track of everything. I don't want to make sure that everybody that I had talked to that I said, yeah, I'll do it. Because, I mean, anybody that asked, I'll do it. But I wanted to make sure that I got back to everybody. That's why I made that announcement the other day. I was like, all right, we've talked. Hit me up. If we haven't and you want me to, hit me up. So, uh, yeah, I got these two. And then I got a couple more that are like, we haven't talked, but we'd love to. And I was like, great. Let's (laughs) schedule a time. So, so, yeah. That is awesome. Well, and that that brings me to kind of my first point, which I thought was interesting, um, especially because I, I've been doing the podcast itself now for just a few months. And, you know, you get a plethora of different 
reactions from professionals out there, especially when you're reaching from a place um, like myself where I have yet to establish any sort of credibility or, um, you know, name for myself, so to speak. Um, But what I found interesting about the conversation that you and I had initially uh, was just your willingness. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but you basically had said that, you know, that's the, the reason we have social media is to bridge that gap between the the fans and the creators and those things. And I thought, what an interesting perspective to explore um, because a lot of the professionals I have on the podcast, we talk about, you know, their in-home studios. We talk about, you know, seeking representation. We talk about all kinds of things. But I think it would be really interesting to, at least in the beginning, explore the importance of social media and how you represent yourself in regards to a voiceover career. So is there any way you could like navigate that, unpack that concept? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's, to be honest, the only reason I'm really on social media is for, is for work is, is for my career. I, you know, I have a Facebook page that it's limited to people that I actually know. Uh, I have a fan page, don't even really bother with it anymore because the Facebook fan pages have become increasingly irrelevant, partly because they're so driven by, if you want anyone to see anything, you have to pay them. And Mm. so the engagement I can get on Twitter and Instagram is huge compared to what I get on Facebook. You know, I'll put a post on Facebook and of the 500 people that are on there, you know, five of them will see it. I put it on Twitter and the almost 3000 I've got on there now, everybody sees it. Um, and it seems like I get a lot of, a lot of feedback on Instagram too, sometimes even more than on Twitter, even though I have way more followers on Twitter. Um, but everything I put on there is designed just to share with the fans and with my friends, my family, uh, you know, what I'm up to, what I'm working on just to kind of let them into my world as far as my profession goes. And it's the other reason why I'm very responsive when people reach out to me on either Twitter or Instagram, because that's, you know, when people are, it's funny, you, you respond to someone, you'll have a private message with somebody or something and like, Oh my God, I can't believe you talked to me. That's so nice. And they're like, why am I here? <laughs> you know, the whole idea is that, that, and particularly because I am at a point where, you know, I'm, I'm up to almost 300,000 people on Twitter, but that's nothing compared to, you know, friends that I've got that have got 75,000 or, you know, a million and a half. So at at the position I'm in, I have the luxury of actually being able to individually respond to everyone. And it's kind of what I do every night. Now, when I get home, I'll go through the tweets for the day and I'll go through instant messages and, and I'll respond to everything because, you know, my feeling is if somebody took the time out of their day to come find me on social media and tell me they liked my work. Well, they didn't have to do that. They could have just sat at home and go, man, that was really cool. And then go about their business. But they took the time to come tell me, Hey man, I really liked you in, in this game or this show. Then the least I can do is to say thank you and to acknowledge them. And when people ask questions, you try to answer them. And you know, the vast majority of people are super respectful and polite and nice and, and, you know, so it's it's a pleasure to do it. I'm still at the point where, you know, I, I'm not getting the the broad range of some of the weirder stuff that the internet can represent. <laughs> sure. I, I have, I, I've gotten I've gotten I got a weird one the other day. <clears throat> it was about someone that I've worked with in a game who is a very beautiful woman. She's an absolute sweetheart, um, just like one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. And somebody sent me a sent me a message saying, "Do you find this person to be sexually attractive?" And I was kind of like, "Block! You don't get to talk anymore." <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm like, "How weird is that?" It's like, okay, you obviously must have said something to her at some point because I told her about it, and she was like, "Oh, you would not believe the people I've had to block on here." And I'm like, "Oh, I would. I'd believe it." Um, oh, yeah. But I was just kind of like, so apparently you can't you can't get directly to the object of your fascination. So you kind of go through like the side door. And I'm like, no, that's locked too. You're not coming. Mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. the vast majority of people are super, super nice. And I mean, seriously, if if somebody wants to say, hey, man, I loved you in this game or, oh, wow, I love that performance or, or I'm a fan. 
why would I not want to say thank you? Why would I not want to engage with that person? Especially because, you know, it's this funny thing of my friends and I discuss this all the time, you know, and I have, I have sort of a, a nominal amount of fame in my corner of the world in the, in the things I do. I have other friends who have quite a bit more or, or who are actually just actual celebrities. And we talk about the thing though, that, it, that even from where I'm at, to all the way up to, you know, a bona fide celebrity, most fans don't make a distinction between me and them. As far as they're concerned, you're all celebrities. Yeah. So, so there is a, a responsibility, I believe, and most people I know actually feel this way too. Um, there's a responsibility when you have someone who's a fan of your work because we're all fans of someone in something. Every single person in the world is a fan of someone for some reason. So we all kind of understand what it's like. And, you know, I've said this a million times, so forgive me to anyone who's heard me say this before, but, um, you know, there, there's a certain responsibility because the things that we're a fan of, we incorporate into our identity. They become a part of us. You know, that the way you identify yourself, the way you define yourself is partly through the things that you are a fan of, the things you're passionate about. And when people look at someone and they like their work and they're a fan of their work, that's part of who they are to a degree. I'm a fan of so-and-so. I love this guy's work. So they're looking at us as being in some elevated position, which we're not at all. You know, um, there's something I came up with uh, in another podcast I did at one point when I was trying to explain the same thing. And it's kind of my new pet phrase, <clears throat> which is people look up at, quote unquote, celebrities. But the reality is there's no such thing as better than there's just better at. No one is better than anyone else. You're only better at something. There's a yeah. thing that you're better at than other people. And for, for whatever reason, that's been ascribed some kind of value. So when people look and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you talked to me. It's like you're a person just like I am. You love things. I love things. We're both human beings. I'm not better than you. None of us are better than you. I'm just better at this thing. You know, yeah. there are things yeah. that, that you are better at than I am. So it's not it just for whatever reason, you know, and I would say that those of us that have the quote unquote talent to do what we do, well, you can take pride in the work you did. And I'm proud of the work I put in to get where I'm at. But you can't take pride in the talent because that, that was yeah, that was your lottery ticket. You didn't earn that. Now, doing the work, that means you, you have in a lot of ways, you've earned your position through working hard. And that's certainly something to be proud of. But. But anybody that ever says, oh, I'm talented or I'm great, I'm like, oh, no, you're not. Shut up. You know, yeah. um, again, you're, you're not better. You're just better at. And I, that's my favorite distinction about that because, you know, when you talk to people and they're like, oh, my God, you're so nice. It's like, well, I would prefer you said that about me than say, oh, my God, you're a great voice actor because it's the, the human thing is much more important. And so we have what I think is real power. And again, I'm, I'm like to, to even refer to myself in the sense of being a celebrity makes me laugh. And the first time someone called me one, when I met them, I was looking around going, there's a celebrity here where, <laughs> but, but you have to realize that again, to most people that are not part of that world, like living in LA, it's really easy to, to forget because it's a fairly small town, really, as far as every, like everywhere you go, there's someone, you know, that's on TV, you're on TV, you're in a movie, you know, friends in the movie. So it's a it's a normal part of your world. But if you're somewhere else where that's not a normal part of your world, then it's easy to go, oh, my God, look up there. Look at these stars. And it's like, yeah, OK, I understand yeah. where that comes from. But but we have as part of that responsibility, we have real power. And I don't mean power that you get through intimidation or advantage or or threat or anything like that. We have power in the sense that people have elevated us in their minds because of what we do. Yeah. So then if we, it's, it's not a thing of like, they're down there and we're all the way up here. They may see it that way, but then treating that person with respect and dignity and kindness doesn't lower you at all. It just elevates them. It makes them realize, Oh, wait a minute. I'm just as good. I'm a person too. So why would you not want to be able to talk to fans and, 
and make them feel good because that, I mean, that's real power. All I have to do is treat somebody decently and treat them like they're a human being. And it actually makes a difference. There's something they're going to remember. That's the best power in the world. Why would you not want to, to exercise that power to say, all I have to do is be a decent human being and not be a dirtbag, and I can actually make a difference <laughs> in somebody's life? That's fantastic. And the fact Absolutely. that they care that I want to talk in weird voices for a living, and they don't know me or aren't related to me, they shouldn't care at all. So the fact that they do, that's a gift, and I appreciate it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny that you say that because um, more often than not in these conversations, uh, we start off talking about the technicality behind voiceover. And what I like about our current conversation is we dive right into what we inevitably get into is the humanity involved in in everything. Because there's there seems to be this like mysterious aura around successful artistic careers. Um, that makes people feel like I could never do that or that person is so brave or, you know, or even just in, in the character creation. So let's just say you're voicing a character that really speaks to somebody just because of the uh, magnitude of that character's impact on that person's life. They automatically lift you up. And I, I love the opportunity. I kind of boast about this concept of turning pro into peer, you know, even if just for an hour, we get the opportunity to talk about how you put your pants on the same way as everybody else and, and being able and, and being fortunate enough to do what you do and what many people like myself want to do doesn't, like you said, does not make you better or me less. It just means, you know, I obviously have work to do to get to a place and, it's always nice to talk about where you're going to because you haven't, quote unquote, made it, I imagine. Uh, if it's anything like anyone else that's in the business I've spoken to so far is this idea of like, you're just doing the thing that you love. You haven't like achieved. You're not at the top of a mountain looking down on everybody. You're just walking the path, you know? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, because it, it, it's funny, that idea of, of making it or having made it I never know quite what to, you know, what to make of that, because at what point do you decide, all right, you know, I've, I've reached this, you know, milestone or I've hit this yardstick or, you know, there are certainly things that, you know, I call them the signpost moments along the way where sometimes you'll be in the vol involved in something. You'll stop and look around you and go, wow, look where I am. Look what I'm doing. Look at the people that I'm doing this with. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, I have achieved a certain amount of something that I have been pursuing. I have, this is an accomplishment and I'm going to stop and acknowledge it for a second just to realize where I am. And, you know, and I think that the only way to continue, and this is going to sound super trite and cliche, but I think the only way to continue making that progress is to not feel like you're there. And, and yeah. it's also, and it's not, you know, it's not in the sense of being down on yourself or not being aware, but I think there's a certain, a certain awareness of, of where you're at, you know, that you can say, okay, I'm happy because look what I have, but I also want there, I want to accomplish this. I want to try this. I want to do this. You know, I'm at the point now where just as it should happen, um, I'm actually actively pursuing, uh, getting representation to start doing cons because I haven't been doing them. Um, you know, I've done a thing here and there and I, I've gone to Comic-Con quite a few years with some friends that I've uh, done some animated stuff with, but I, I hadn't felt like, and it wasn't until some of my friends who are people like Steve Bloom and Yuri Lowenthal and Mark Shepard and people that, you know, do cons a lot. Sure. Have yeah. been kind of pushing me and saying, you should be doing this. And for the longest time, I felt like, I hadn't pursued it just because I thought, you know what, I don't have enough marquee characters. I don't have characters where people are going to look at a, a program and say, oh, my God, Dave B. Mitchell is there. I have to go meet him. And I thought, you know, I don't have enough of that yet. And I remember saying that to Steve, to Yuri, and saying this, you know, a, a few years ago and having them look at me like I had three heads and say, <laughs> are, are you nuts? Nobody cares about that. You know, they all they're going to care about is if they walk up to your table 
there you are, and there's the hundreds of things you've worked on. They're going to go, oh, my God, you were in that, you were in that, you were in that, you were in that. And that's all they're going to care about. But so in my perception, though, I'm thinking, why would anybody want to come see me? Because, you know, it's still to this day, it's sometimes a surprising thing. And I know where I'm at and I know what I can do. And I and I'm comfortable and confident with that. Um, I feel like I'm in a lot of ways, I feel like I haven't even really gotten started yet. My agent tells me that all the time. He says, you know, you, you haven't even begun to do what you're going to accomplish in this business, but I'm in a a very good position. I've done a lot of work. I have a good reputation. I work all the time. I'm very, very happy about all of those things. I take them seriously and I, I try to maintain all that. But I also, you know, you kind of look at yourself and go, well, it's just me. You know, it's not, I'm not, it's not that big a deal. I, you know, I just, yeah, I go work all the time, but it's cause I just go work all the time. It's not because, you know, I'm wearing a cape or, although I might be when I'm working, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to rule that out. But, um, but it's, so it's that idea of not going, Oh, I'm, I'm this, I was in this show and I was in this game and it's like, you know, n- nobody's doing that. So it sort of took them to say, no, you, you need to be doing this. And it was Steve that actually said to me, he said, I will guarantee you, you have more fans than you think you do. And I thought that was a really interesting statement because I, I hadn't really considered the idea of, of going, oh, well, I have all these fans out there that love me. Um, and, you know, what's one of the great things about social media is to, is to get that feedback from people because it's for everybody that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe a voice actor talked to me. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you love the work that I do and you took the time to tell me. So it's, you know, it, I mean, it really goes both ways. But yeah. You know, it's, I, I don't know there, I used to say that when people would, that whole idea of, of making it, it's like, okay, you know, I didn't own a big house. I didn't have this. I didn't have that, but I was a full-time working voice actor in the most competitive market in the world. And I was kind of like, um, I've got what I want. The other stuff that's nice, and it, but it's secondary. The most important thing was like, look what I'm doing for a living. Look how I get to pay for my life by doing this, by being who I am innately. And for whatever reason, somebody said, okay, we'll pay you to do that. Which, I mean, again, that's the lottery ticket. That's that's the jackpot right there. Yeah. Well, so when it comes to, to voiceover and, you know, I don't want to derail from what we were just talking about, but there's, well, there's conversations so- go where they go. So for sure. My question is more along the lines of in regards to like growing and doing things. Um, I listened to an episode of of a podcast where uh, uh, Neil Ross was talking about the concept of like peaking and how like so many people like the most depressed person is the person who has accomplished all of their goals because then they have nothing else to attain. Um, and I bring it up often about this idea of like, doing something that scares you every day to like push you to grow. And I wonder where you stand now with hundreds of things under your belt as a voice artist. Is there any part of this job that still scares you that still pushes you to grow or makes you feel like maybe uncomfortable in the process? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there, there's one, the thing that I think I'm least good at. um, And it's a thing that is, you know, fairly, sizable in what we do. I'm not super comfortable with, with impressions, voice match stuff. Um, Mm. I don't think I'm particularly good at it. Uh, I've done some, I have, I've booked, you know, quite a few, but I look at the way I am with that. And I look at my, you know, my, my peers that do that. And, you know, I, I know guys that just like, blow me out of the water. Like I don't even exist next to those guys as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm known as an accent and dialect guy. That's a lot of what I book and, um, and that stuff, the way I am with those where generally, again, it's my lottery ticket. If I hear it, I can do it. It's, it's not, I mean, I have honed it over the years and I put a lot of work and a lot of listening, but the essential ability of it is just, I have a good ear. Um, it's always served me well as a musician and as a musician and actor, you know, the music part of it definitely supports being able to do things by ear because you can hear the nuances. You can hear all of those things that go into it. But um, yeah, when I get uh, voice match auditions, a lot of the time, they're the ones that and for a while I would, I would just pass them over because I was like, I'm not good at this. I don't want to waste my time or waste anyone else's time when I know that there's 10 guys 
that are going to submit this, that are going to kill it. And I don't want to waste anybody's time with this. But I have gotten to the point where I've, I've started doing them a little bit more. If I feel like it's something I think I can do at a competitive level and actually be good at it, then I'll do it. And sometimes if my agent hits me over the head with a stick and says, shut up and record this because I need, <laughs> I need you to do it, then I say, okay, and I shut up and record it. And, and every once in a while you book one of them and go, oh, I, okay, I guess that was better than I thought it was. But yeah, that's, that's probably the thing. But I think for me, it's less – it's less about doing something I'm afraid of and more just about doing what I love and finding new avenues, new opportunities, finding new ways to be creative, finding, and you know, there's so many different things that go into it. And and one of the, one of my little, you know, pet weird things is that I don't like the term voice artist. I don't like it at all. Voiceover artist, voice artist. I don't like that term. I'm a voice actor. I, you know, and I understand there is, there is work that one does as a voice artist. I certainly do some of it, narration, promo, you know, trailer, stuff like that. Um, and I'm not in any way denigrating the idea of being a voice artist, but most of what we do, what most of us do is because first and foremost, we're actors. That's the most important part. And when people will come to me because I'll, I'll be 50 next month in July. And so, you know, at the age where I've got friends who's, Kids are in college, graduating college, you know, that sort of thing. And they'll say, hey, my kid's a big fan of yours and they want to know, you know, when they're going to school, what what should they do to kind of if they want to do that kind of work? And I always tell them first first things first, acting, study acting. It's all acting. Um, We're just actors you don't see. And that's one of the one of the reasons I get weird about the term voice artist, just because it, it, it I think it takes away the essential element of what it is we do because the idea of a voice artist, Oh, I, you know, I create art with my voice. Okay. That's true. But ultimately it's, it's about acting. It's acting first. And I I think in recent years, that's been more and more recognized. I think that, you know, there we've gotten more attention and people have, I think become aware that, Oh, there's actually people or there are actually people responsible for the voices coming from these cartoons or, or from, you know, this video game or from that tuna can on TV that was trying to sell me something. Um, so, and that's cool, but I, I'm just, I'm so picky about that. And I know I'm being all, but, uh, you know, we're voice actors because being an actor is still, it's the most important part and it's still what we do. And, you know, we all laugh about the idea that if, you know, if we had a dime for every time someone says, Oh, it's great. You do all that voice stuff. Have you ever thought of doing any real acting? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) And And the thing is I, I will bust people's chops on that. But I'll try to do it in a kind way because, like, I, I know they don't mean it uh, as an insult. They they think they're paying you a compliment, saying, "Wow, you're really good at that." Have you thought about, you know, not realizing yeah. that, you know, it's it's acting. It's just a different. It's just a different set of challenges. I I will never say that voice acting is harder than on camera acting because they're both equally difficult. They both present their own sets of challenges, but ultimately they're still all drawing from the same skill set to accomplish the same thing, which is the one job an actor has, which is to tell the truth. And it's not the idea of, of I have to tell my personal truth. No, just the, whoever the character is, be that guy. What he would say, what he thinks, what he would do, do that. Convince the audience. If the audience believes it, you've done your job because that's your only job. Yeah. So so, that was, I know it was kind of a tangent rant there, but you know, no, no, no. And I appreciate it. it. It kind of brings us into a good place to talk about it too, because, uh, that is also one of those reoccurring themes. I, I was fortunate enough to talk to, um, Bob Bergen, uh, as my debut interview for this podcast, which you know <laughs> was yeah, it's a <laughs> uh, talk about nerve wracking. Bob's a guy too. He said Bob's such a nice guy too. Oh my gosh! And and I think beyond that quality, which is a a stand up quality to have, he's just an honest guy. Um, he he doesn't need to pull any punches because he's never he's never punching. He's just telling you the truth and he's giving it to you from his experienced perspective. And I was fortunate enough that like, even in like the first sentence I said to him, uh, he called me out for the same thing. Not, not that I had accused anybody of not being an actor. I had just said this concept of a lot of people think anybody can do this. And he said, I'll, I'll add one word. Any actor can do this. Like, you know, if you have to be an actor for it. And so I think it'd be interesting to explore some of the history of your acting and and more so, what do you think of your history in acting you use the most 
when developing a new character or performing just your day-to-day auditions and things like that? What has influenced your career the most in regards to your acting history? That's a good question. Um, I, I think, again, just with with any acting, I think as far as approaching auditions, approaching characters, approaching creation, um, you know, a lot of it is is you know the the ten thousand hours, the whole thing of having done it over and over and over and over and over again, and made mistakes and figured out how to correct those mistakes or figured out what works, figure out what doesn't paying attention to everyone around you, watching your peers, um, you know, watching what they do, watching other people's work, and just also observing life and observing art and reading and listening to music and, and just trying to, to get in touch with all those things that, that move us. And I, I know I'm getting all like, you know, crystal dancey, you know, around the, the campfire here, but... Um, no, no, you're good. But, you know, it's really... I'm always listening. Whenever I'm in a room with someone, talking to them, I'm not only listening to what the content of what they're saying as, as our interaction as people having a conversation, but how they say it, their cadence, their timbre, the melody of their voice, the sound, character quirks, and just all of that stuff gets filed away. And then when you're confronted with a new character, that's when it's sort of like your artist's toolbox. You have all these different colors and shades and mediums that you're like, oh, how do I how do I paint this picture? How do I you know how do I find the nuance in here? What am I? And a lot of it just depends too on. Sometimes you'll get direction that's super specific, and you'll know exactly what they're looking for. And sometimes you'll get almost no direction or something that's incredibly nebulous, and you think, okay, well. I'm not even sure they know what they're looking for. So let me see what this says to me and then, and then put it out there. And, uh, and my agent, Dean Panero, the greatest agent in the universe um, has, and I will say that completely unbidden. He's, he's, I mean, he's my friend, he's my agent, he's, he's the best. Um, And he always says to me, when it comes to something like an approach to an audition, show them the way. That's one of his favorite things. Show them the way. They may say it may say this on the page and you want to honor what they're asking for, because, you know, ultimately, I liken what I do as a voice actor to being a studio musician. Um, You know, you hire us because we have the chops to play anything you put in front of us. And we're going to bring a lock to the table. But ultimately, you hired us to play what's on the page. You know, you need your music. And. Sometimes that means I got to play whole notes. I may be able to I may have the greatest technique in the world, but if you need me to play a whole note, I'm going to play a whole note because if I don't, no chord, no chord, no harmony, no harmony, no melody, no melody, no music. It's about the music. So ultimately, that's you know what you want to do. You want to fulfill the needs of, of the people that are looking to cast. But sometimes you'll look at something and you'll just say, OK, they're asking for this. But based on my experience, either as an actor or my experience as a person or just something intuitive, you'll say, I know what this should be like. So a lot of the time you'll give them a take. That's what they're asking for because you want to honor and respect what they asked you to do. But then you also sometimes want to say, okay, now let me show you how this should go. And yeah. it's funny how often that sort of thing works. And, and particularly they'll tell you with, with animation. And I still feel like I've done a lot of animation, but I feel like I have not done uh, anywhere near the the kind of work that I want to do as as far as the amount goes. Um, you know, I feel like I'm still in a lot of ways breaking my way into animation. And a lot of that is, is making those choices, doing, you know, finding a creative choice, doing something different, because it's really easy to take sides and go, okay, this is what this says, this character is, and go, oh, I know what this character should sound like. And you do your audition and they get 20 of the same thing. Yeah. Or you take it and go, okay, what's different in here? What can I find in this? Or, you know, what what approach can I take to this that maybe someone else hasn't thought of? Mm -hmm. And and it's funny because it can be, you know, that can be a a double-edged sword because on the one hand, well, sometimes they just want the exact same, the exact thing they're asking for. I had something recently, and this, this comes up every time, every time I see something for a pirate, I always figure... When they ask for a classic pirate, they're going to get 30 auditions that are going to sound completely identical. 
because everybody has in their head what a pirate sounds like. Yeah, There is a, an archetype for a pirate. So I'll do that, but then I'll usually try to do something slightly different. One of my favorite variations is to actually give him a northern English accent um, just to differentiate it from the thing you usually hear. Um, and, and occasionally, a, a couple times I've booked it because of that, because they're like, oh, we like that. That was different. It still made us think of what we were, you know, what we were looking for, but it was different. And then other times I've booked things where they're like, nope, we just like the straight standard pirate. We just liked how it sounded. So like, great, that's what I'll do. Um, so it's, you know, it's about, you want to apply your creativity, but you also, it's weird. You want to apply your creativity. You also want to respect uh, what their needs are. But I guess the trick is trying to find that balance where you can do both or at least show them that you can do both because one of the strongest things that you can be as a voice actor is adaptable and directable. And the funny thing is though, that being a successful voice actor is not about having a ton of range. People sometimes make that mistake. Um, They'll listen to my animation reel and there's, you know, a ton of voices on there. They'll say, Oh, I can't do that. Then I say, then don't. If you do one or two things that you do them really well, there's a chance you may actually work more than I do because when you're that thing that people don't, Oh, get us that thing. And you're that thing. Well, guess what? You can have a wonderful career doing, doing the one or two things you do, but doing them exceptionally well because range talent, not, they're not mutually inclusive. You can have one without the other. Yeah. You know, and it's entirely possible a one actor and only do one or two things. But if we do those things at the highest level, then you're going to work. It's not about being able to do everything. But on the other hand, you know, the fact that I can do a lot of things has certainly uh, been to my benefit. And, you know, the biggest thing is just to try to be easy. You know, whenever anybody is hiring someone, they're all almost always behind the eight ball. They're you know, they're over budget, they're out of time, they're whatever. So the best thing you can do to build a career is, is be easy, you know, be adaptable, be flexible, be easy and be good. Because that's why people will keep calling you back when they don't have the time to fight through things or to to do a proper casting or they'll just say, all right, just get me my guys, just get me my guys and get them in here and we'll get this done. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's the trick is trying to establish yourself as one of them by being good at what you do. There's a a, a phrase that I always refer back to that it may be an apocryphal statement. Don't really matter if he said it or not. Um, the idea <laughs> is is intact. Supposedly, Spencer Tracy said that acting was four things and he knew a little bit about acting. So uh, <laughs> just supposedly, supposedly, he said the way I heard it. Acting is four things. Show up on time, know your lines, hit your marks, and tell the truth. And (laughs) that applies to any kind of acting. The first three are about being professional, about being a professional and someone that other people can work with and count on. The fourth one, that's actually your job. Like I was saying earlier, that's your one real job is, is to tell the truth. But show up in time, know your lines, hit your marks. That's being a professional. That's making other people's jobs easier. That's when, okay, when we book that guy, he's going to show up and we're not going to have to worry about him. He's going to deliver. He's going to be in a good mood. He's going to treat everyone with kindness. He, he's not going to be a jerk. He's going to do his work. He's going to go home early and we're all going to go home early and have the work done. And that's, you know, that's a huge part of it. I, I got to go back, um, Several years ago, I had a really marvelous high school theater teacher. Uh, his name was Wally Larson. He taught at Douglas County High School in Castle Rock, Colorado for 30 years or so. Actually, I ended up teaching somewhere else in the district after I, the year after I left. But hmm. if you look at the kids that went through his program, it, there were some really remarkable kids. Um, but also just the number of people that went through the program with him that ended up as professionals in the entertainment industry is, is pretty staggering. My friend Beth Malone, who I, we were in the same class, um, you know, we did theater together from ninth grade all the way through the end of our high school years. She was nominated for a Tony Award for Best Lead in a Musical for Fun Home two years ago. Nice. So, so this is, these are the people that went through there, and a lot of us uh, are 
you know, working as professionals in the industry. And, and so when I went back, we got to pay tribute to him. And I said something and I said it purposely to be or purposefully to be uh, inflammatory. I said, you know, I don't know that I can say that Mr. Larson really taught me much about acting. And everybody kind of, oh, my God. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, the acting, he pretty much gave us the freedom to find our own voice and figure out what it was we were doing and who we were. The thing he absolutely taught me was about how to be an actor and how to be a professional and how to be an adult. He taught me those things. He taught me about working with others, about respecting other people, about taking responsibility for your own job, about being on time, about doing your work, about all of the things that are part of being a professional actor, a professional anything really. But in this particular sense, you know, he taught me the acting thing. Yeah, he, he gave us freedom and certainly he guided us and we all learned from him. But more importantly, he taught us about the things that you absolutely had to know if you were going to be able to, if anyone was going to allow you to do that other thing. Well, that's, that is basically the job of a teacher and a, and a mentor, right? It's not to encourage, you know, a student to hit marks on a test or, you know, complete some sort of a state standard, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, I guess I could liken that to the, my most important job, um, I am a father of a two-year-old and, and, you know, teaching her, it's not about teaching her how to be a specific career or to make a certain amount of money or, you know, even some of the baser things that you absolutely should teach them, like not to stick a fork in a light socket, but (laughs) your, your goal is to teach them how to be a human that is, you know, empathetic and compassionate and driven and all of those other things. And then just let them find what fascinates them and, and pursue that because that, you know, there are a lot of people who, especially in kind of in the climate that we live in right now, who feel like they know better for other people's lives than the person living their life, you know? Sure. Sure. And, you know, I can imagine that there are a lot of people, especially in a business like this, in a creative industry where it feels as competitive as it does, um, that will tell you, these are the steps to become successful. These are the people you have to know. These are the the things. And we we always kind of borderline touch on those things, but I'm grateful that everybody, including yourself, uh, immensely speaking, uh, you, you speak from experience of what worked for you. And I feel very encouraged by everything that you've said, especially when you're talking about, you know, pursuing the acting side of things and becoming an actor on the human side of things, not like becoming an actor as this is how you are an actor specifically, but this concept of as an actor, you explore, you find your own voice, you do the thing that you do best and that is where you will feel the most fulfilled because people on my side of this career, just starting getting their feet wet, uh, there is a lot of comparison uh, or there is a lot of temptation to compare yourself to those that have gone before you. Uh, The term I believe I hear all the time is this concept of standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Which there's some value to, you know, in in knowing what came before you, knowing seeing the work other people did. And yeah, because that's the reality is that when you stand on the shoulders of giants, you're able to see farther than they can because they did the work that you didn't have to do. You benefited from what they did. You're able to start higher up the hill than they were because they already pushed that far up. Um, I mean, one of the, probably the single greatest experience of my life, professionally speaking, was the first time I ever got to work with Frank Welker. Mm. Um, my two greatest heroes as a voice actor were Mel Blanc and Frank Welker. And Frank's the sure. one who's still around. Um, you know, there, there's a whole pantheon of people that I revere and, and plenty of the people that are my friends and peers now, I'm huge fans of their work. Um, and I look up to them and I love the stuff that they've done. And, and you know, I'm just thrilled and blessed and happy to to not only be colleagues, but to be friends with, with so many of them. But Frank 
is to me the living gold standard of what we do. He he is the god of voice actors. And the thing about Frank that I had always been told and is 100% true is that Frank is the kindest, most humble, warmest, down-to-earth guy you will ever meet, and he's more talented than most of the rest of us put together. Yeah. Uh, and the time I got to work with him, I worked with him, I'm in the booth with him playing my scene with Frank, and I'm watching the man work, and I'm thinking, he perfected this literally before I was born. <laughs> and he's still doing it, and he still brings to every moment absolute joy. And it was so inspiring because I'm like, I'm watching the guy who is my who is my biggest hero. I'm working with him as a peer, and I'm watching him, and he's just exuding joy in every moment after having done this forever. And it was so inspiring. And it just, I, I couldn't, it was, that was that signpost moment. I was just like, where am I? And how the hell did I get here? Yeah. You know, but it just was like, this is what it's all about right here. You know, I hear, I hear he never stops smiling. <laughs> Ever. Just, well, you... Like the years ago, several years ago, they gave him a lifetime achievement award at Comic-Con and he was baffled by it because the funny thing about Frank Welker is that he doesn't understand that he's Frank Welker. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's odd, especially Frank because... Frank doesn't get it. Well, the rest of us are like, yeah, he's Frank. And he's like, what? I, well, I didn't do anything. And like, yeah, you didn't do anything. Okay. Yeah, sure. That Well, that's another thing that Bob and I talked about um, was this concept of the imposter syndrome, where at, at a, any creative at some point in their life uh, who receives any sort of recognition for something they've done uh, almost automatically will negate the validity of the statement by saying well, you know because it's it's just me like I, I, that's just me doing what i do i'm not like anything special i i kind of had a little taste of that um i'm i'm also a musician and i had an opportunity to record with somebody that i i really admired and looked up to and uh after certain several takes you know he paid me a pretty intense compliment that you know he said like oh wow you you know you really crushed that one or whatever the case may be and i just like I looked at him through the window. I'm like, are, are you are you talking to me? Like, I've yeah. been listening to your music for like my entire life. You know, like it's just those concepts of of the value of your own creation. You know, you're your own worst critic most often. And I kind of want to circle all the way back to the beginning of our conversation and this idea of social media, because we de we definitely covered the wonderful side of social media. Um, but. What I laugh about every once in a while is when you bring up or will retweet something of somebody who maybe he had something a little less uh, supportive to say. <laughs> I'm sure I, I, you can think I, of a couple. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about right now because it's like I said when I put it up, it's my favorite tweet ever. So yeah, um, yes, yeah. How do? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to ask you to talk a little bit about that kind of thing too. Well, you know, the funny thing is, it's just to sort of dovetail with what you were just saying, there's, there's the thing of uh, the whole idea of imposter syndrome. Uh, you know, I'm familiar with it. I can't say that I've ever felt that way because even though I saw, oh, how the hell did I get her? What am I doing here? I, you know, I know, I know what I can do. I know what I've done. I'm confident and comfortable with that. Um, but at the same time, it's not that I'm going, oh, I'm great. And look at me. It's like, no, I know that I can deliver when you put me in the situation, I'm going to deliver because I've put the time in, I've done the work and I'm a professional and I'm comfortable and confident with that. And if I wasn't, you shouldn't hire me, yeah. you know? So, but there's the trick of doing that. It's good to be confident, but you know, not ever letting it go over into ego or into arrogance. Uh, I, I, despise, I despise arrogance. I, I'm such a, and the reality is it, you know, in the world of voice actors, it's almost unheard of for you to hear somebody say, Oh yeah, that guy's a jerk because yeah. it's such a great, supportive, amazing community of talented, giving, warm people. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. So just to sort of go back from there, the, the funny thing about with, uh, you know, with social media that so far I've been very lucky in that my interactions have been 
overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I really enjoy it. And, but the trick is just as any of the negative stuff, you cannot take that to heart. You can't let it get you down. You can't let it get to you. And by the same token, you can't let the positive stuff, you know, make you lose control of your own, of your own ego. You know, yeah, you, sure. take the, you take the positive stuff and say, you know, and, and be just to be genuinely thankful and grateful for it and say, you know, I, I really appreciate that you enjoyed the work. I'm really glad you did because that's why I did it. I'm, you know, I did it because they paid me, but ultimately what I want beyond that, I, you know, you want the work to go beyond the money you were paid. You want it to, to appeal to people. You want them to enjoy it. You want it to inspire them or make them happy or, or sad, or you, but you want it to have some some effect. Yeah. yeah, You want it to have some effect that goes beyond the initial job that you did. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's all wonderful. But yeah, when somebody says something negative, you, it's not that you're not listening in the sense of like, oh no, it's impossible for me to have done poorly or to do anything wrong, or you don't know what you're talking about. But you also, because it's the internet and because, you know, Mm -hmm. it definitely tends to breed that sort of thing that, that, you know, the, the bravery of anonymity Um, and the fact that people actually now do have a direct line to the people that are creating the things that they interact with. Whereas before, you know, years ago, it's like, okay, you might write an angry letter or something, but most people were going to take the time to do that. And even if they did, there's no guarantee the person would ever see it. If they ever saw it, there's no guarantee they'd read it. And there's almost no guarantee that they would ever respond to it. So, you know, you kind of have to take things uh, with a grain of salt, the good and the bad. The good stuff, obviously, you're going to pay more attention to because we all want to hear that. But also, it, it's, it, it just creates a better environment for everybody. It's like, hey, you know, I made something you liked. It made you happy. You came and told me you liked it. That made me happy. Hey, we're both happy now. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some people also, because they feel disenfranchised or they feel less than or they're angry at themselves or, or, or I mean, sometimes they honestly just thought you sucked, which that's going to happen. There's, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. And right. ultimately you also, you can't get too hung up with that too, because, you know, if you keep getting hired and you keep working and, you know, they keep leaving you in the project until it's done, then you're, you're making somebody happy. You're doing what somebody wants, you know, um, which is again, ultimately your job. It, um, I, I find that with the negative stuff, because honestly, there's been so, so little. And really, the only thing I've gotten negative so far has really been recently. And that was for for Team Sonic Racing, because apparently, as, you know, nobody likes change in things. None of us. I, I don't. You know, I don't necessarily yeah. like change in the things I'm a fan of. But I also, you know, it's a little easier to process when you're on this side of it, where it's like, OK, I know because I've replaced people. People replaced me. Um, it happens. But yeah, that's the one tweet that I got, that was my favorite tweet ever because it was just so, it was so, it was so mean, but it was, couched, <laughs> it was, it was, but it was couched in, in, in somebody even said, well, like, oh, well, at least he was polite about it. And it's kind of like, <laughs> the tweet was, and, and I, cause I, I, you know, I reposted this was, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry for what I'm about to say next, but your voice of knuckles is literal trash. <laughs> That was, that was my favorite tweet ever because one, I'm very sorry for what I'm about to say next. No, you're not. If yeah, you I know, sorry, right? You if you were sorry, exactly. But, but also literal trash. I'm picturing myself talking in like cartoon, like fish heads and tin cans and, and rolled up <laughs> newspaper coming out of my mouth while I'm talking. Um, literal trash. Loved it. But but see, this is a perfect example of that. Um I had been given advice by some friends who are who have much larger followings than I do that, you know, like, hey, when you get those, just block them. You know, I'm don't engage with them, which I wouldn't have considered doing anyway. But yeah. they said, just block them. It's just, you know, people just are trolling, whatever. And even if he genuinely believes that you don't need to sit there and get involved in that, you know, especially because it's probably some kid and I'm not going to, you know go off on some kid on the internet. That's not going to work. So, um, but so I, I blocked him, but before that I screenshotted it and then I posted it, but I I didn't retweet his thing because I didn't want people piling on this kid. I'm like, I don't, you know, he said what he said and whatever. And yeah, it was a, it was a jerk move, but, but it did make me laugh. Genuinely. It didn't hurt me. It actually did make me laugh. 
And I'm like, I don't need to have other people on the internet then piling on this kid because who knows what his problems are. He may, he may have an awful life, and you know, I mean, I, so I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm not. I'm not going to. I've got a thick enough skin, and I'm old enough that I'm not going to go. Hey, that guy said something mean about me on the internet, and but I did repost it because I thought it was funny, and but I didn't want it really connected to him where people would then you know go chase him down. And one of the best things that happened was you know I had a lot of people come to my defense and say, oh, I think it's great. And one guy even said, you know, it's really great that you've, you've got, you know, such a sense of humor about it and you can laugh about it and you're really cool about it and everything. And I was like, look, you know, I'm, I will not contribute to negativity on the internet. There's enough of it there already. I'm not going to be part of that. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to try and be somebody that can make somebody smile or just to, just to be a positive force because I, you know, because it does affect us. And, and, you know, I'm not, I will not engage in the negative stuff. I won't do it. And, and he he tweeted back, he said, I got to be honest, I wasn't really a fan of the voice, but now you seem like such a cool guy. I think I really like you. And I was like, you know what? I'll take that. I will absolutely take that. I said, I will take that. That's even better than saying I really love the work you did. So, so, you know, that's, that's just kind of how you approach it for me anyway. Well, that's a it's a gracious place to stand. It, it's what's funny about that is I had a, a conversation, um, not in the podcast, just with another voice artist. Oh, sorry, voice actor. <laughs> uh, but they. Um, that's they your call, about... man. You, you can go wherever you want with that. I'm just, I told you my my take on it, but I'm I also I won't tell anybody else how they should you know how they should identify. So the the only reason that's difficult to navigate is that I know a lot of actors who consider themselves artists and they feel like that when you don't admit the art involved in acting, then they feel less creative. But that's just, that's like a side point. Obviously with you, it's not that case. So, uh, but back to what I was saying, um, he had mentioned the idea that uh, he had gotten a mean tweet and his response to it without any malice or anything was uh, in an attempt to try and uh, encourage this person was to just say like, hey, listen, like, I appreciate that, you know, you took the time to tell me that you didn't like this. Um, and I would encourage you to, you know, if you feel like maybe you could do better or have a suggestion as to how it could be done better or whatever, uh, you can uh, you can DM me or whatever. And not to say that you should do that, but like uh, and what ended up happening was is uh, the person had DM'd him and said like, uh, they they talked over a couple of times and he was just like, you know what? I kind of feel like a jerk now. And he ended up deleting the tweet um, just in the conversation that they had, because like you said, that anonymity just, it emboldens people to give criticism, even when it's not constructive. It's just, you know, you get to just lay it out there for, for virtually no reason other than to troll. Cause yeah. you know, that person had no, <laughs> I mean, there was no reason for them to say it, but. Well, um, what's really interesting too. It's funny. You should mention that just because, that idea of of constructive criticism, it's an interesting thing because, you know, on the one hand where, you know, I want to be, to treat people like, you know, on the same level and treat everybody as people, but there is also a thing of, of superior experience and knowledge. And it's sure. interesting when I've seen people tr- trying to be nice even, and which I appreciate. And that's why one of the reasons I, I kind of don't respond to this sort of thing because... I almost feel like there's not a good way to do it without making the first person feel like they're being disrespected or that you're looking down on them, which, uh, you know, I don't want to do. So, but yeah. I think of like, well, here's some constructive criticism. You know, uh, it was about something like, you know, I think maybe the voice for this should have been deeper and more like this. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel about looking at other voice actors work, but perhaps take a look at this and this, and, you know, to, as inspiration for your character going forward. And, so on the one hand, like, you know, he even said, I'm trying to be positive because so many people have said negative things about these things. So I want to try and give some constructive criticism. And uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant. Um, but there, <laughs> the reality is it's like constructive criticism as a general rule will come from someone that knows more or has more experience at something than you do. Not to yeah. say that someone who is just a fan, quote unquote, can't have a perspective or knowledge or, or an opinion that's valid. It, it's not about that. But the funny thing is that how, how little it seems sometimes people understand that it's not like we just walk into a studio and go, I'm here now. Um, I'm going to do this character like this. Uh, this is how I think this should go. So everybody, you just record me, you shut up. 
uh, and I'm going to do my thing. You know, we're going, they bring us in after listening to a bunch of us and go, that's the one that's, that's closest to what we're looking for. And you go in and then they direct you and they tell you what they want and how to do things. And, and so, you know, what you end up hearing is, is part of a collaborative process, but it's, it's interesting where people want to tell you, oh, your character should be like this. It's like, well, here's the funny thing. The creator of the character told me to do it the way I did it. So I'm going to stick with that if that's okay, because it's kind of their thing. So, you know, you know, so I, uh, it's like, I, I try to acknowledge everybody, but things like that. And I took them, you know, I take it in the spirit in which it's offered. It was someone genuinely trying to be nice, particularly because they'd seen other people not being nice. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to respond to that. And I, I don't want to be disingenuous either. I don't want to say, oh, that's, you know, that's great. Thank you. I'll take that. In, I'll, you know, keep that in mind because no, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing, you know, what it is they ask of me when I show up in there, you know, and it's their gig. Um, but it, it's a fine line. You know, I think for the most part, if you just err on the side of just trying to be nice and, and this is cliche too, but it's like, okay, how would you talk to this person if you're in the same room with them? If yeah. you were sitting across from each other on a bus, would you say that to someone? You know, or if you met them at a party and like, you know, oh, you're my sister's friend. Oh, cool. Yeah, you're a jerk. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, what is unless it? you were actually, unless you actually were a jerk and it did something hateful, in which case then it's totally merited. But and you're like, but, yeah. I, I'm, I want to apologize for what I'm about to say, but you are literal <laughs> trash. <laughs> I think I, I need to get, yeah, I think I need to actually, maybe that'll be my new, let's see, how can I do that? There's, <laughs> so you're like, let's see, L-T-R-L-T-R-S, no, it's too many letters. I was like, literal <laughs> trash could be my new, my new oh, license. Oh, man. Like, well, you know what you should do? Your uh, your Twitter, um, like, flavor text or whatever it is that says there, uh, your, like, biography or whatever should just say, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but I'm a voice actor or something like that. And, and I'm literal but, trash. But my voice literal trash. is literal trash, yeah. So. <laughs> but, I mean, it was a funny thing, though. Just people, you know, and the nice thing is a lot of people came to my defense and like, oh, and I was like, you know what, guys, seriously, I people like, don't let it get you down. You know, you're doing great. And I thought it's. That was very kind because, again, they didn't have to do that either. And and I didn't put it out there for sympathy or anything. I put it out there because I thought it was funny. And, yeah. and it made me laugh. And, I, again, I just wanted to kind of, you know, just take the piss out of it a little bit and just kind of say, hey, you know what? This is this is something funny and, not, you know, people don't have to get all butthurt and, and, and get nasty about things like that. So, you know. All right. Yeah, well, awesome, Dave. I, honestly, man, I could talk to you all night um, if I didn't have to sadly wake up for work bright and squirrely. But um, I do want to take a moment here toward the end of this podcast to give you a chance to talk about uh, how people can get a hold of you and also maybe some of the things you have coming up. Uh, if you want to go ahead and take the stage on that. Sure. Um, yeah, most of the stuff I have coming up, I can't actually talk about uh well dang it dave come on there's a bunch of (laughs) bunch of stuff bunch of stuff in e3 that i'm under ndas for that i can't talk about but um anytime i can i do have some stuff i'm i'm some games and some animation and stuff that are that will be coming out in the next few months that i'm super excited to talk about um you know the the last few things i'd had i've been sitting on those forever and finally you know mortal kombat 11 and uh, Sonic Team Racing, um, Dead or Alive 6, all that stuff that just came out in the last few months was really exciting. That stuff's all out there right now. Um, you can find me. I, I, I do have a Facebook fan page, but I actually don't maintain it anymore because the, the engagement is uh, you know, so predicated on paying for, for people to see it that I just get way more direct engagement from Twitter and Instagram, and I have the same handle on both. It's at Dave B. Mitchell. Um, and again, I'm, I try to be super responsive pretty much. I, once a day when I get home, uh, I kind of go through all of my tweets and all my DMS and all that. And I try to respond to everything and retweet and talk and all that. And then, uh, you know, anything, anytime I can talk about something, uh, I, I try to be pretty, uh, pretty proactive about putting stuff out there. Well, like when a new project's released, when you can see something, when you can buy it, um, the next place. You'll actually be able to see me if you're out and about is uh, I'm doing Jeff Burns Chilling with Voice Actors panel at Anime Expo on July 3rd in L.A. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. That's the first time I've, I've gotten to do his panel. It's with a bunch of friends and other crazy talented people that I'm 
really excited to to get to go play with. Um, in the process right now, like I said, of, of trying to uh, get representation to start doing cons. So hopefully that'll be something I'll do in the very near future. And obviously I'll, I'll absolutely make sure to let everybody know where I, where you can find me and you know where I'll be. So you can come say hi and we can, you know, we can chat and all that sort of stuff uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, just, you know, thanks for everybody that is already following me and uh, you know, bring everyone else over. I'll welcome them and we'll talk to them too. And uh, just, you know, thank you to everybody for, for all the continued support. It means the world to me and I, I can't thank you enough. And I just, just really appreciate all of you. Well, speaking of appreciation, I do appreciate your time, Dave. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. And uh, of course, you didn't have to do this, but uh, I'm very grateful that you took the time to do it. I think this is going to help a ton of people, um, which is the main reason for this podcast, because uh, it certainly helped me. And uh, I well, sure, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there trying to do things, uh, you know, in, in very similar situations to me. Um so, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to even have you back on here uh, sometime in the future to talk about those NDAs. I would love that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy. Awesome, Dave. You've been listening to the Duly Noted Podcast. This podcast is a member of the Duly Noted Podcast Network. For more information on the network, please visit denotedpod.com. Special thanks to our guest, as well as our producer, Brian Becker. Feel free to follow us on social media by searching Duly Noted on any platform. That's D-E-U-L-L-E-Y, Noted. To send in your questions or guest suggestions, please email us at duly.noted at gmail.com or tweet us using the hashtag Duly Noted Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have the best day.